science. You will be challenged. You will question everything you thought you believed. Prepare to be. Everybody, guess who's back? Me. <laughs> yes, JJ's back. Guess who else is back? I love him. <laughs> you guys like you guys like took a a bottle of Jack Daniels and like made a a pentagram on the floor and and whiskey and you summoned me. You guys called me back to you. Is that all it takes to summon you? Because I think the Any whiskey kind of alone whiskey? would do it for me. Yeah. Jack like, Daniels. does it have to be fancy whiskey? Well, I'll I'll pass. You can you can get fighting cock. That's like fifteen dollars for like oh. a, a gallon or something. I don't. I'm know. I'm currently drinking some uh, uh, old Smoky right now. That was a it's good, good sip. Sounds terrible. Yeah. Very... Oh, it's delicious. <laughs> it's Eli, it's, uh... you're real quiet. <laughs> Sorry, oh, yeah, I, could, I gotta yeah. like I gotta like get right on the mic. Eat that mic. Mm-hmm. Put your lips to it. it. You need to talk like this, really close to the. Close Don't to the talk mic. like that. <laughs> That's man, a little too close. Merch, 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 merch. What? That's uh, where the world is at now. Sorry, guys, I'm sidetracked. What? Um, what are we talking anyways. about today? Well, You're back. you get to just run the show today. Well, you know. Y- we talked about it a little bit off off of the mic, but the idea of the thin blue line, you know, like the uh, the whole kind of blue lives matter, uh, ultra yeah. uh, pro cop movement that's going on right now. Um, I mean, it's it's not been as big of a public um thing lately uh that i'm aware of i guess there's just too many mass shootings going on for people to really be focused on cops but i think that that was just kind of kind of a pushback against all of the police criticisms with like the blm movement uh yeah but it's a lot older this con like the concepts that are um part of the whole blue lives matter thing especially the thin blue line in particular that idea and and kind of there's there's almost a philosophy around it has been around a lot longer than you know the the past couple of years and it's not just a a response to blm in a sense it's it's something far deeper and 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 kind of like when I really think about it on, on that kind of idea where I really start to pick it apart, I'm like, this kind of seems like it's, it's a gang mentality. It is a culture. It's like a prison culture type thing where uh, it's a very us versus them um, thing. And, and it definitely gives cops like a, a, 
a huge um, kind of worldview about like them compared to everybody else in the world. I, I think a lot of these kinds of ideas that come from this thin blue line type stuff um, have a lot to do with it, with police shootings and police uh, being trigger happy and, and stuff like that. We haven't talked a whole lot about that lately. Wasn't there uh there wasn't thing not too long ago where like a, a cop uh, pulled a gun and fired on somebody and they thought it was their taser or something. Yeah. That was the, like the commonplace <laughs> excuse. Happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was like the big, the, the last like big, um, you know, cop cops killing somebody thing i've heard in the news as far as i know but you know they kill a kid after that like a teenager more recently i think so and then there yeah there was that shooting in knoxville tennessee at a school and a and a cop killed i think might have killed a kid in knoxville i don't know if he killed him or just oh man I remember, I think I messaged you guys when that first happened. Um, I mean, it's probably not crazy. really any shortage. Like, it's actually kind of hard to remember all of the examples of things that happened just because there's so many in the news. So <laughs> I forget a lot of them. Yeah. So, uh, Anthony Thompson Jr., 17-year-old, was shot and killed by a police officer at Austin Magnet High School in Knoxville, Tennessee. This was in April. And um, the the cop is facing no charges. But the whole thing... uh, There's body camera footage. Killing Thompson, so they killed the kid, and then he shot another, and another officer got shot by the police officer, not the kid. The kid didn't hurt anybody. Was he so, armed? I don't know anything about that one. Um, for okay, let me let me go into the story here. I'm on uh, NBC news four officers responded to a call of domestic abuse involving thompson's former girlfriend at a high school according to nbc affiliate wbir officers claybo wilson and two others can be seen in body camera footage entering the school's bathroom they located thompson inside a stall and asked him to show his hands according to the video the footage shows the officers trying to handcuff thompson who can be heard repeatedly saying my bad my bad one officer grabs thompson's left hand while his right hand remains in the front pocket of his hoodie according to the video claybo said in a statement he could see the barrel of a gun pointing at him from inside the pocket uh, a single shot fired from the gun hit a trash can but none of the officers Allen said it was unclear if the handgun fired accidentally. After the first shot, Thompson can be heard repeatedly saying, wait, wait, wait. Claybo quickly draws his weapon and shoots Thompson in the upper chest. Video shows, according to Claybo, said in his statement that he saw Thompson fire the gun and believed one of his colleagues was shot when he stepped back. Uh, video shows Claiborne firing a second shot at Thompson falls to, as Thompson falls to the ground, hitting Wilson in the leg. 
Um, an officer then handcuffs another student in the bathroom who can be heard pleading for authorities to help Thompson after he said he could see blood coming from his body. So who knows like what was going to really go down there. Like the, 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 what sounds like what it sounds like happened was a kid got into a fight with his girlfriend and then was either, you know, contemplating shooting somebody or maybe even shooting himself. So then you get a cop killing a kid in the process and then, uh, you know, uh, shooting his partner. <laughs> like the, the, the thought of it is just f- fucking uh, weird. You know, the whole thing is weird. I didn't watch the footage. I really don't want to because I'm like so sick of this shit. There's got to be a better way to deal with this stuff because it, it, it just it it just sounds like uh, another another mishap. But uh, no charges, nothing. That cop's not going to get charged. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the, <laughs> they rarely like, do. In this situation... Even though I think that I have pretty extreme opinions on what police can and cannot do. Like, I think police don't deserve an excessive benefit of the doubt. Like, a police officer's life being in danger isn't sufficient enough in and of itself to warrant lethal action. Yeah, like... Which I, that's which what I, you I signed up for like the police could let's assume that the kid had a gun and mm-hmm. it seems likely that the kid had a gun I mean guns happen mm-hmm. in America um, mm-hmm. like I think that the police are ethically obligated to attempt to render the subject unconscious before using lethal force even though there was just granting that there would have been a gun and the cops are in lethal danger. I think the it's a better ethical society to have that high standard because mm-hmm. this is America. I mean, you get to have guns. The cops can't assume that just because the kids got a gun means that they could shoot anybody. Mm-hmm. Even if they're brandishing the gun threateningly, yeah, you're in a and especially in that circumstance, they were in a mm-hmm. concealed environment. They had they had that kid in one place, and I I mean I don't know the situation of uh, the other kid being in there uh, because apparently there was a second kid in there who's like uh, you know freaking out trying to get the cops to help the kid after he'd been shot to death and um it, i don't know <laughs> it's freaking weird man like they like you think about like if there was two kids in there and one might have a gun uh like that's a hot that that, that could be considered to be a hostage situation i just don't understand how 
like to me it's like a kid's going to be terrified if eh. he's in a bathroom stall and there are cops. I can't, I can't project that kind of thing. I don't know that the... I mean, terrified is a big word. The kid could be terrified and in the fetal position, or the kid could be terrified and... No, you're kind of quiet. The kid could be terrified of... Uh, and being and be in the fetal position, or the kid could be terrified... And ready to shoot at the first instance of something going on, right. you know, like cops yeah. do all the time. Right. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I in that circumstance, if I were were to try to be in his shoes, I would probably think I might get killed by a cop. <laughs> you know, I, I'm about to get killed by a cop. What am I going to do? Like, y- you know, it's it's hard for me to think a, a kid, a 17 year old kid, could think clearly on this subject especially like, in the heat of the moment yeah like well, i don't expect the kid to think clearly <laughs> mm-hmm. adults don't think clearly yeah but i mean and that that story that that report is you know not even really what i was i was getting at but it's just i'm just kind of i really don't understand the kind of like ultra tribalist thing going on in America, especially amongst like conservative uh, groups and, and uh, I mean, I, I feel like tribalism's happening all over the board. I, I don't think it's exclusive. for sure. Yeah. I mean, there you see it on the left. You see that on the left too. You see it all over the place. It's, you know, my little brother made a statement uh, that that made me think. He was saying that you know, basically, like tribal systems of government only work up to a certain scale. But I would I would argue that basically he was arguing like we need a bigger source of government than just small tribal groups, like small tribal groups functioning. Like basically he's explained to me why communism can't work through like tribal systems can only work to a certain capacity of people. And then that's not going to work anymore. And you're going to need a bigger, much more elaborate system. But why do we see so much fracturing off of our current system into tribal groups and uh, into um, these weird things between, I mean, uh, like the whole racial thing, classist things, religious. I mean, like, I don't even know, like tribalism just is in in my mind, you know, like you can't get rid of it. Like it's part of the human nature. Mm -hmm. Yeah. People form groups and people form tribes, and the size of those tribes is kind of evolutionarily set. Mm-hmm. But people can add, like the size of like real tribes, like there's the thing called Dunbar's number. Like you could only have like 150 close relationships right. at any one time. Right. But the human brain can abstract things, mm-hmm. and it can simulate the idea of an abstract tribe that is in number size. And uh, 
But people's propensity to commit to a tribe, I think that that's also a biological, like a genetic or epigenetic mm-hmm. thing that's ingrained. Like some people are more committed to a tribe than other people. Mm-hmm. Like right. any tribe, it doesn't matter what it is. And you can see that like with like the polarization of politics, I think is a good example of that. How you've got this kind of bell curve and people all, you know, they fall into this range where like you've got the swing voters and they're on one end, like the far left side of the quadrant of the bell curve. And then you have all the people that are part of their team and they're part of their tribe and they just go along with it. And then you got the far right of the bell curve where it's the people that are so hyper committed to the tribe that that is the most important ethical choice that they can make. Mm-hmm. Like it's, you know, it's a, a subjective idea of ethics where putting your tribe first is more important than some of the classical ethical things. Like it would be okay to kill if it benefited your tribe. Right. And I think that people's connection to whatever tribe they identify as, like it, I think that you'll also find that it'll look like a standard deviation. Yeah. Like, you know, a bell curve. Mm-hmm. So the weird thing to me, particularly about like this thin blue line thing, I guess maybe like the, you know, the concept of it, I, I, I'm going to, ma- I'm going to map this out a little bit according to like what's on the, the wiki of it and what I've heard a lot of people say as well kind of the whole idea around it being, you know, uh, the term refers to the concept of the police as the line which keep that keeps society from descending into violent chaos. And so, the you know, what we see popularly now is this American flag with a blue line through it, and it's like the new symbol of this thing. But like I, it's, you know, I've seen this thing before and I never knew what it was. I'd seen a sticker on people's cars and it's just two black line, two big, thick black lines with a blue line through it. And I found out, oh, that's the original thin blue line, like flag or symbol or insignia. And I was like, what the hell is that? And some guy's like, oh, it's just like a, it's like a police thing. It's like a cop thing. And he's like, yeah, if you get one of those stickers and you put it on your car, like the cops won't pull you over as much, (laughs) you know, I like, I, no joke. Somebody's told me that. And I was just like, that's weird. I had no idea what that was, but the idea was popularized in the uh in the 19 1920s by a guy named uh William Henry Parker and William Henry Parker was uh sheriff at the LAPD and he uh you know he or he popularized it in the 60s um, and he served from 1927 to 20, uh, 1966, um, <laughs> which that's interesting to me because I think I sent you guys a, a little fact about how, uh, you know, the KKK had uh, four out of five county seats, council seats 
in Anaheim um, in the in night. I can't remember the day. It was like 1924 up to 1924. They held four out of five county seats, KKK members in Anaheim, California. Um, so this guy's coming out of that world and he commonly says this term thin blue line in his uh, his speeches. There was a TV show that came out in the 50s called the thin blue line and he, it was like a panel dis- discussion with police officers um, and he's quoted I want to read a quote from this guy because I read it to my wife and it tripped her out um, let's see if I can find this quote alright Parker said on television once It is estimated that by 1970, 45% of the metropolitan area of Los Angeles will be Negro. If you want any protection for your home and family, you're going to have to get in and support a strong police department. If you don't, come 1970, God help you. (laughs) So... This guy who popularized this term uh, was uh, really racist. He's also well known. Uh, you know, he he's what he he modernized and um, kind of changed the whole police force in L.A. in the 1950s. And, th- you know, the concepts uh, that we have, the positive concepts that we have from the police on television were also popularized by him. Um, there are people say that uh, Parker uh, was the inspiration for Spock on Star Trek. That <laughs> weird fact, because Gene Roddenberry was a police officer in L.A. while the time during Parker's run as uh, chief. So it's just a really wild thing. The guy who popularized this super racist and comes out of a very racist culture of, of the, you know, uh, California and, and Oregon, you know, those, uh, Oregon was a really crazy, uh, place, you know, back then. <laughs> I don't know how much you guys have ever looked into the like history of Oregon as a state. But like, it's not at all. Oh, dude, it was it was like it was like essentially like a white ethno state at one point. <laughs> um, and, and so it's it's really wild to me because people don't realize, OK, why is Portland, Oregon, the way it is now with this like intense multicultural, like a bunch of crazy hippies and like uh, ultra feminists and all, the, all of this extremely diverse and like place known for uh, modern and cosmopolitan ideas is uh, where did that come from? Well, it came from, you know, the place being a freaking uh, hotbed for racism and people rebelling against that. And so, and not only, well, that and, uh, probably a lot of, uh, you know, people don't realize how progressive uh, some of the like the weird ideas on the the libertarian side of fascism. It's really weird. Like, 
uh, eugenics and stuff like that uh, was really popular. Speaking of libertarian, as uh, a man, the party's having a meltdown right now. <laughs> I'm not. I'm seeing memes, this? but I have no idea what's going on. Are you following this? Mm-mm, so not. what's going on with that? Well, apparently, a lot of alt right people have gamed the system in some libertarian party in some states. Mm-hmm. Like the Mises Caucus completely took over in New Hampshire. And the dude that's spearheading that is, like, crazy racist and weird. Um, but, like, like long-standing libertarians are straight up leaving the party. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard some, I've heard some stuff about a lot of libertarians leaving the party. Like, it's, like, they're doing what the Republican Party should have done when Trump got nominated. Right. Like, um, a bunch of, like, if, you know, like... 20% of the Republican senators and representatives went, no, we're not doing this. And 20% of them just up and left the party. That's That'd be a lot more like what the Libertarian Party's going through now. That's wild. So well, they're and, like the next alt-right party? Yeah. Which makes the Republicans happy. Well, yeah. yeah. You, know, you know, I keep hearing this term uh, from a lot of people in like, the the kind of the Gnostic people like groups that I talk with, like people who run around in weird Gnostic circles. Um, I hear this term classical liberal um, a lot or and, and so I've I've met some people that, you know, who, who throw that term around a lot. And I'm like, what does that even really mean? Like, do you guys I've have an it, idea what a classical liberal uh, is? The first couple of times I heard it mentioned were listening to the different podcasters in the whole intellectual dark web world. Mm-hmm. You know, what's his, the Weinstein brothers and, uh, oh, the, like and the, Sam and Harris and Paul Rubin and Jordan Peterson. God, man, that guy, Rogan. I feel sorry for him now. Like his wife went through a big health crisis, and he oh, no. he went through he, like he like descended <laughs> into some serious mental health problems. He really uh, did. Well, uh, you know, I don't like think it was just Clonopin and couldn't. Yeah, kick he it. was. Oh. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he went to Russia and like did ketamine therapy, and and like went in a K hole to get off of the benzo Man. addiction stuff. I've been, I've been in one K hole in my life as <laughs> weird experience. His behavior. I don't know if you've like fought, seen what, but his behavior has changed. Like Jordan, Jordan Peterson's kind of, uh, he's kind of slowed down a little bit. He's lost a little bit of his steam. Um, it, it's really strange. I should, uh, I I should think look it's up some videos of him post this. That'd be really interesting. Because Jordan Peterson, like, I just get, like, he's this Christian version of Deepak Chopra. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Can, like, extraordinarily can. intelligent. And, like most people, like, he's really, really, really committed to the ideology he likes. Mm-hmm. And he just keeps developing the ideology. Yeah, so it's like he's kind of making of it up. Yeah, it's, he's making it up as he's going. Like he totally is, to a degree. But he sharp as tech. Oh yeah, he he that motherfucker reads. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, and he remembers. Yeah, he, 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 uh, but he, he's, he's really interesting to me. Um, I, I have a theory. Before we that, get, go let, ahead. We'll get off on this. We'll keep going, but to, <laughs> to bring it back, the classical liberal is where I kind of first heard, that's where I kind of first heard that term being right, bandied about. Okay. And it was people that wanted, like, they held some typically classically liberal positions, like they're pro-gay marriage and they're pro, uh, pro-choice, but they don't, like, they want to signal that they are not part of the woke crowd. Like, right. it's, it's the idea that there's a line between the progressive side of the Democratic Party and the classic, classically liberal side of the Democratic Party. Whereas, like, AOC would be a progressive, and uh, what's his name? Joe Manchin would be a classical liberal. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, it's, it just kind of seems Biden. like they're just like, I don't want, uh, you know, the, it's like, I don't care what you do, but I don't want to be PC, right? I don't want to be politically correct, have to be forced to be co- politically correct. It's kind of what it seems. It's like, I don't even think anybody's really asking that of people who are, are maybe a little they more are. politically incorrect. Well, we, but but just don't be an asshole. Just man, don't like, be an asshole. I promise. Like I was talking about with that <laughs> bell curve and tribalism. Yeah. Like there is a, a quadrant of the progressive Democratic Party, and I've heard them refer, referred to as tankies. <laughs> that are just as purity culture demanding as somebody on the alt-right would be. Uh-huh. Well, now, I like, typically caucus with tankies because I think that philosophically I agree with a lot of the things that they agree with. But, except for, I mean, a lot of tankies tend to be very pro-authoritarian. Right. Which I'm little, kind of the opposite a little, of. A little fash, a little fashy. Yeah, you know, it's, it's my, I had an uncle. <laughs> kind of that horseshoe, horseshoe theory. Yeah. My, my uncle always said that uh, if you go so extreme in either political direction, you end up in the same spot. Yeah. Like Stalin and Hitler were opposite ends of the political spectrum, but mm-hmm. they ended up but, in the same spot. Yeah. Right. It, you know, they say if you go far enough left, you get your guns back. Yeah. <laughs> so, kind of right at that point. You know, I'm pro-gun, but... <laughs> Right. Well, and that comes to another that that comes back to that concept of the whole thin blue line thing. That's something I've been thinking about with the whole uh, are the police the only thing separating us from mass chaos and the criminal world just completely taking over uh, and and, and, you know, a post-apocalyptic Mad Max world. Are they keeping us from that? No. <laughs> um, I mean, but, the vast majority of the time, they show up after a crime happens, not before it. I mean, well, that or they make a crime happen. <laughs> we, 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 to be charitable, a, a couple things that I would want to do is I would not want to do a Tucker Carlson <laughs> and and paint like it in some you know a broad black and white brush like yeah, either we right. have the police and sure. our society is stable or we don't have the police and our society is nothing like right. we've had the police for a century now and the police do prevent a lot of crime 
but how much is kind of it's a really difficult question to answer but it's right. not zero no no mm. it, absolutely not and i i don't think that there is no place for police i i think that it is kind of a necessary thing that we we I mean, need to have i've utilized the police myself a number of times the job of the police is to take people's rights away hmm hmm that is what police do and or, it, well, I mean, I'm like, I'm thinking of all of the interactions that I've had with police. Well, majority of them, <laughs> whenever um, they showed up, you know, in an interaction between me and somebody, a lot of times at work between the public, because I work, you know, uh, public utilities on people's properties. And um, in order to do my job, sometimes they have to show up and enforce our rights because we do have a right to maintain the utilities that those do, people are using. Do you have some crazy stories? Please just tell a crazy story. <laughs> <laughs> like I want to I mean, know I've, I've got a story for you. About you calling the cops and, at work. Uh, I I mean, most of the time it's it's been pretty minor. I've had the police called on me and they showed up and sided with me and told them, you know, to stop wasting police resources on I've been you know. raided by a SWAT team. <laughs> really? See, so that's way crazier than anything I've ever. That I've had guns awesome. pulled on me, and that's about as I, far as it gets. I guess I probably should tell the story since we're you know live on air, and I just did somebody I was, SWAT you. I was technically raided by no. a SWAT team too, but I'll tell mine after yours. All right. So um, <laughs> I was living in this drug flop house when I was twenty years old. <laughs> nice. That's how it starts. Yeah, I mean. Why not? One might argue that we had it coming. <laughs> <laughs> it was a predictable uh, trajectory oh. that this story is going to take. But uh, one of my roommates get involved with talking to this undercover cop. Oh, no. And ended up selling this undercover cop a bag of weed on two different occasions. <sighs> We kind of all suspect at this point that the cops were looking at our house because we had a lot of people showing up and we were a bunch of hippies that mm. clearly partied all the time. And <laughs> like, I'm sure that the cops knew our address, but I wasn't there for either of those. And we weren't a house that was selling drugs all the time. Like my roommate was literally just like, I really like this guy. I'm going to help him out and contacted somebody else. <laughs> It's like my roommate would literally like, I don't know this guy. Yeah, I'll get him. I'll help him out. And then. Naive. So uh, <laughs> come the day of the raid. It's uh, early afternoon. And my best friend is there. He lived there some of the time. And he's in the bathroom taking a shit. Oh, I'm man. on the phone. <laughs> That'd be the worst place to be. Talking to uh, talking to my mom uh, probably needed money um and then the guy my other buddy the guy that was responsible for you know instigating this incident <laughs> he's in the living room on the couch so he's on the couch and then the living room and dining room were just kind of like one big room and then there was a wall with a double glass door that opened and you went into the kitchen and the back rooms there um so I'm in the kitchen. That's where the landline was. And then I hear a boom. Get on the ground. Get on the ground. And I'm like, oh, my God. And I yell into the phone at my mom. Mom, we're being robbed. 
call the police. (laughs) (laughs) And I set the phone down and turn around to run out the back door. And as I turn around, I see through the glass pane between the kitchen and the dining room door. And there was a guy there in full body armor. And I said, oh, we're not being robbed. We're being raided. (laughs) And he opened up the door gently, and then he yelled at me to get on the ground. And I got on the ground, and then he put zip ties on me. Now, Thomas, my other buddy, my best friend, as not I said, me. he was taking it right. Other Thomas, <laughs> I um, was not there. <laughs> um, so he hears me yelling into the phone this. that we're being robbed. So in this this bathroom, we're talking. This bathroom's the size of a closet. Like you can fit in a toilet, a sink. There was a full bathtub, and then like four feet, and then that was the door. Like just just come, tiny little space. Come, come to think of it, on the toilet is probably the precise place you would want to be because otherwise you'd be shitting your pants. <laughs> right. So he hears me yelling, we're being robbed. So he turns around and he opens that the tiny little window up. He's going to go out the window, you know? Because <laughs> it's, it's it's like a one by two. Like, you can make it out. It's not that tiny, but... So here's Kansas City Police, get on the ground. So he closes the window really slowly <laughs> and then sits back down on the toilet. <laughs> and they, uh... He, he's like, don't shoot, I'm in the bathroom. And they're like, knock on the door. And so he knocks on the door so they know which door he's in. Now, the bathroom <laughs> faces a hallway, but essentially the hallway is just like a square. Like you go through mm-hmm. the kitchen, past the stairs that go upstairs, and then you turn right and there's a door to a bedroom. You turn left and there's a door yeah. to another bedroom, and the door to the bathroom is directly in front of you. And they tell him, all right, open the door very slowly. And he opens the door slowly. And in front of them is a cop with a pistol. To the right is a cop with a submachine gun. And to the left is a cop with a shotgun. They all tell him to do something different at the same exact time. Oh, God. God dang it. This is so exactly he gives him this confused I mean. look, and the cop in front of him tells him, get on your knees. And so they zip time. So they got me and Thomas and my other buddy. We're all zip tied up. They march us out to the porch, and they begin to search the house. They show up with, like, six more officers, and they are literally tearing the house apart. Like, I'm, oh, we're yeah. all convinced. Like, they're looking for a crack lab. Like, they think we're manufacturing, like, massive amounts of drugs. One of the things we think is that one of the crack dealers that my roommates had befriended had gotten <laughs> busted and then told the cops, like, hey, this is where I'm getting the stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um... But that was not the case. Like, we were just a bunch of hippies partying all the time. <laughs> Super broke. We didn't have the money to just, the, the, for me to be like, oh, yeah, we were dealing lots of drugs. I can't, you're like, <laughs> man, I can't afford to to manufacture crack. What are you <laughs> talking about? That's way um, above my, my, my that's, income. That's, that is priceless. So they march yeah. us out to the yard and somebody drives by and Bill's like, that's the guy that I sold the bag to. And I'm like, Bill, shut up. <laughs> I think he, I think oh, he was just man. like, "That's the guy. That's the guy." And I'm like, "Bill, don't talk right now." And I wasn't talking either. They march us back to the porch, sit us down. Thomas is talking. Thomas is like, "You know this guy right next to me? He can beat every one of you at a game of chess." <laughs> 
He has placed second in the Kansas State Banjo Championship three times. I'm just like, going to pretend you you're talking like, about me now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's shit talking to the cops. He's like, he is just because he's he's convinced that he and I are going to jail. And yeah. you know, Bill, we're all going to jail. Um, Bill ended up going to jail. They ended up cutting Thomas and I loose because all they found was one bong. And a little over a quarter ounce of cheap brick marijuana. And every court in America would be like, well, that's excessive use of force. Mm-hmm. Right. So they didn't charge us. They gave us Man. this big speech about the, the officer that led the raid was like, now me and my compadres, <laughs> we choose not to do drugs. And Thomas is like, you choose to waste people's time. <laughs> oh. <laughs> like, you didn't care. <laughs> I wasn't saying nothing. And so they took yeah. Jill to jail, and and Thomas and I, we kind of cleaned up because the house was ransacked, you know. Um, it was pretty. That was yeah. So that was me being raided. That's that's crazy. Well, my raid experience, I don't remember personally because I was a baby. (laughs) Um, My dad was growing weed and uh, yeah, full raid, you know, apparently there was like choppers and news and everything. (laughs) And uh, yeah. It makes me so, think of, you know, those stupid memes what cops post on Facebook for their social media channels where they're like, Officer Fleming was out doing a good job today, and it's got like a pound of pot and a roll of 20s and then like a glass pipe. And then there's like the thousand comments of everybody, like literally everyone in America is just going, I cannot believe you wasted your time doing this. Yeah, like, that's a, that's really what... A lot of, I mean, I wonder how, I wonder how much we could cut down on what we send police officers to, officers to at the very least, you know, like should cops be responding to everything? But the interesting know. thing too, about the whole blue, the blue line thing, it actually, the first, you know, where it comes from is like. Uh, the Crimean War, and it had yeah, the thin red line. The thin red line, and there they were they lost soldiers. That war. They yeah, lost that battle, by the way. <laughs> yeah, and but the idea is that they they were you know it was this war propaganda story. So it comes from war. Now I don't believe cops are supposed to be soldiers. I don't think that that's their job. Some of them do. And and that's probably why a lot of people get killed. <laughs> um, well, I mean, there are certain circumstances where, like, you know, you've got like a, I don't know, mass shooter or something, and you need someone who's able to outgun them. Mm-hmm. I, you know, as much as... I don't know if I support the idea or not, but like the whole thin blue line thing and the like ultra like the, that's the same crowd that like all of those people own AR-15s, right? Like mm-hmm. all the people that are all about the Blue Lives Matter thing, they're probably gun owners. So do they really need 
a police officer with a gun to protect them from criminals. Well, like the point of the police is not, as I said, it's to take away your rights. That's the policeman's job. To what end? The point of police is to take away people's rights so that the status quo can be maintained. And in some ways, we all agree that there are parts of the status quo that should be maintained. Like somebody that is, you know, robbing people or killing people, committing violent crime. We don't have a social norm that tolerates that. And that is a part of the status quo that I think should be maintained. Right. Um, And there are parts of the status quo that should not be maintained. The war on drugs is a great example. Right. But there is no metric available that shows that the war on drugs has benefited society. But police officers maintain that status quo. Right. And they have done that primarily by taking away people's rights. Yeah. Now, as I said, sometimes it's okay to take away people's rights. Like if you've got somebody that's a murderer, somebody that's a, you know, an arsonist, uh, somebody that's you know, commits sexual assault, mm-hmm. they need to have their rights taken away. They shouldn't have the right to go do whatever they want. Yeah. But that is that's that's what police officers do is take away rights so that the status quo that is enshrined in whatever legal structure society is, and I'm not including like the bad apples, which we have touched on a little bit and we should get into more because there's a deep relationship between racism, the status quo, and mm-hmm. the police force. Oh, yeah. This might be purely a semantical criticism, but... Um, I don't necessarily know. Do people always have the right to do the things that they're doing? I mean, that you don't have the right in the first place to steal or murder, right? Yeah, you do. I think you have the right to do whatever you can do. And then some people choose not to do that. And the people that choose to do that, we have to actually take away their rights rights are a made-up thing. Like, either you have every right to which you can effect change, or you have no rights at all, because they're just made up and Mm -hmm. social constructs don't exist. But there aren't, like, some rights that you actually have. Like, nature doesn't care about your right to life. No. You know, you're right. The idea of rights is the idea... You're right. It's a social construct, and it's something that, I mean... At least my understanding is they're 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 granted and enforced by our society, right? Like we decide that people have the right to um, you know pursue happiness or or what have you. Well, whatever uh, but, we say, like you have the right to marry, you know, interracially. Right. You have the right to get married to someone of the same sex. You have the right to pray in school. I mean, all of these are artificial constructs. Really, what you have the right to do is whatever you can do. <laughs> right. So, like that's what think, the like well you have the freedom to do those that, things, right? There is if you try to draw a line between rights and freedoms, then those rights become arbitrarily arbitrary and there's no actual right. Hmm. 
Like, it becomes trivial what a right is. And it's trivial if everything is a right, too. But functionally, like, that's the best place to start, for me at least, to draw that line. Well, because, like, people at one time did not have a right to, you know, marry somebody of the same sex. And, you know, we, we changed it and granted them that right. But should they have had that right? They should have, but they didn't. So is does the right come from the law, or does the right supersede the law? You mean, mm. like... What comes first? Philosophically, the or... The, you mean philosophically or in practice, right? Uh, philosoph- well, as you said, they used to, they didn't have the right to have same-sex marriage, but they should have had the right. Did that right exist? Like, is that right... Is there a platonic object of the right for people to marry whoever they want? And sort the law like, was actually in hindering yeah, that we're, right? We're kind of we're talking so, about, like, ought. Or, like, inalienable rights, right? Is that kind of the, the concept that you're talking about? What I'm... What, what I'm going for, let's see if maybe I can phrase it a different way. I'm not, I'm sure I'm not communicating the idea as well as I need to. Is we, you seem, when you gave that example, you gave the example of having a right or not having the right to get married, but you should have that right. But you did have the right to get married, you know, in other conditions. So, is that thing a right only because the law says it's a right? In is practice, that what makes anything a right? A right? I think in practice it is, but philosophically, I, I I would disagree. I think that you know that should have been a right all along, and you could even say that should be considered like a fundamental human right. That whether the law recognizes it or not, it's something that should be recognized. So um, I don't I don't know that anyone would feel the same way about murder. Yeah, I mean, like, how do you differentiate between these philosophical rights and things that should not be philosophical rights? Well, I think that that's going to have to boil down to your your philosophical moral structure, right? right? Well, right. well, okay. Here's a good here's a good premise of how this has worked out uh, previously, because there was a time when we didn't have police, right? And so what what generally uh, dealt with things on an authoritative level was not like a centralized authority, but uh, public spirit. And so like uh, if if a, if a public group, a village or a, a tribe or whatever, there was somebody in the village that was causing problems, the you know, a vast majority would get together and they would all agree. Yeah so-and-so has to go or you know they there was like (laughs) there would be be a general like it would be a societal thing it's like a it's a societal decision that's made sometimes Um, you got to put people in between two canoes and feed them to the insects (laughs) (laughs) Insects it was a torture called the ordeal of the boats and that was law enforcement in ancient persia hmm so really, yeah. the police is just kind of an extension of that. It's just a little bit more fleshed out and structured. Right. All the police do is take away your ability to act. There you go. I can't contest that statement. And if, like, generally speaking, 
you have the right to perform actions. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think that every, like, rights are difficult. Like, they're just made up. Mm -hmm. And either you recognize that everybody can do whatever they want all the time, and people essentially just group up into groups. And when one individual is in for or, you know, acting on their right to do whatever they want, some group of like 150 individuals may act upon their right to collectively decide that this person's rights need taken away. Right. The police are just a mechanism Mm -hmm. for that deprivation of the right to act. Which isn't in and of itself a bad thing. No, Um, no. I think that our society has problems that reflect through the structures that we've built and the police are one of those structures. That whole system is a result of our society. Yeah. And like the combination of society and just, you know, human nature in groups and in individuals like power corrupts and the police have mm-hmm. quite a bit of power. It takes yeah. quite a bit of power to take people's right to act away right. for better mm-hmm. or for worse. So you're saying that all police officers should be replaced with drones. <laughs> I, in my hypothetical ideal sci-fi world, yes. Because <laughs> I think that a benevolent we've AI all, we've can all manage that. metaethics better than humans can. But we've all seen that sci-fi movie and it never ends well. Mm, typically <laughs> not, no. You know, it could, but, but that's always our speculation of it. Uh, and I think that might have, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that might have a lot to more to do with like us having the desire to want to humanize machines. The which, the idea that which has always historically been true yeah. until these last you know tw- two decades is that humans are better than everything else at making these complicated decisions, complicated socio political choices, complicated meta ethical choices. Humans will always be able to do a better job, but and that and that's the the attitude that we're subconsciously bringing into most of these mm-hmm. conversations when we talk about the dystopian AI future. Mm-hmm. Right. But that that is an assumption, yeah. That has been well practiced in history, but becomes radically less applicable with every year that passes. That's true, and uh, it could go it could go wrong, but it also could go right. It could, it could be way better of a situation, uh, you know, but what happens when, uh, it's, it's, but what happens when they, they start making decisions for us that we don't want them to make, well, which is going to be like with, immediately. We already do that right? with people who are criminal. We make decisions yeah. for them that they don't want us to make. Right. I mean, that's, it's not mm. new. It's just a different person's in charge. It's just an artificial person. The thing is, like, I think ultimately we as a species will die if we don't develop these AI technologies to make these kinds of decisions. I think humans aren't built for the long game. I, that, I think you could definitely be right on that. I mean, that, I, I have a hard time believing that uh, you know, well, I think a lot of, in reality, I think all, all of us do, because I mean, just look how obsessed everybody is with like, uh, the idea of apocalyptic Armageddon type realities. 
I mean, it's it's constant. The the idea of you know the uh, uh, terror and and some kind of doomsday situation is like always mm-hmm. here. Like every like we keep telling that story over and over and over and over again. Uh, well, it's, it's hard for us I, to I tell. I think on a some level we're story. all aware that we're here because of dumb luck. Yeah. Right. Mm. Not the Christians. I don't care. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we've how long have we been around though? Uh like uh, in some form of <laughs> homo sapien? Homo yeah. sapien? Oh god. Was it like 170,000 years? Yeah, I mean That's we've... it. Like if you take if you stretched your arms out from end to end and called that the history of the earth. Oh, we're a blip. You, if yeah. you took a nail file and scraped off just one pass off the tip of your middle fingernail, that's all of recorded history. Right. I'm, I mean, that's kind of the case for virtually every species. They all go extinct and are replaced by many others. There are very, and that's just, that's part of how it goes. It's just humans are not special in that regard. We just haven't been around long enough for us to have an extinction event that's really impacted us. It's coming, though. We might bring it upon ourselves. It's very likely. Which brings me back to the whole AI thing. Like, I don't think humans can collectively make policy decisions. And the only way that humans are going to be sold that an AI should be in charge is if an AI can meet and fulfill the needs of people in a meaningful enough amount that people will support the idea. We might be able to get to that, maybe. We'll find out, or we'll die. That's just how it goes. So what we really need is a thin chrome line. (laughs) 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 Uh, Ooh. Man, that's just like the thin chrome line. Eli, you've got... You get the patent on that. You better start writing your short story. <laughs> the, Make yeah, the well, flag. Yeah. Like that is literally that's Trademark. a sci-fi story waiting to happen. You can yeah. put that, and Nebula will publish it, and then you'll cry because you'll be all famous, and people will be like, "Eli, <laughs> go patent it before I, this dude, episode publishes." I, 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 I Here's the thing: I can't write for it. I can't write for shit. I can, I can make a it's story, okay. but I can't okay. write it down. I'll have to have no, somebody hire somebody and you copyright it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> The thin chrome I, line. The what, thin chrome what, line. The hell do I name this podcast episode? We went all over the place. The thin chrome line. Man, that's it. <laughs> the thin um, chrome line. Yeah. You because know, and to bring it back, like, are people, because the thin blue line is driven by that we talked about at the beginning, that sense of tribalism. Will mm-hmm. people be able to associate their tribal identity with an artificial intelligence? Or will the artificial intelligence form its own tribe? Man, I don't even want to imagine what the singularity <laughs> will be composed of. <laughs> and, it, I mean, from their position, the most logical thing to do would be to wipe out the biggest pests on the planet, right? Which would be us. Uh, right. We're, we're yeah, talking about, like, that I, matrix I that. situation. <laughs> I don't know. We're pretty damaging to the... Uh, Overall environment. Only because we're in charge. Oh, so they just basically take away all of our power. I right. yeah, well well because right, okay. I don't think freedom is a right. Ooh. In the in the sense, like it's not any more inalienable than like a right to anything else. 
And if our lives, Aldous <clears throat> Huxley talked about it in Brave New World in a very negative dystopian sense. It's like if everybody's happy, then they can be controlled. Um, yeah. But I don't know what the value of freedom is if you are free to be miserable. Right. True. Some I, I, sometimes I, would, I feel like people want that though. <laughs> yeah, because, people uh, want all kinds of things. It well, in theory weird. and in practice, it weird. usually doesn't work out that way. Like people say that, but then when they actually are miserable, yeah, they're willing to give up a lot to be happy. You know. Well, well, that's kind of the whole premise of like Jordan Peterson talked about that a lot, and that's why he kind of stands where he does with some of his ideas, I think is, is that human beings need, like they will make their own problems. If things are going too smoothly, if they're too comfortable, they will make something to complain about or to fight or to, you know, like if, if we had all of that, if we were given absolutely everything we need, would it be enough? It's the idea of tension and release, mm-hmm. which is so ubiquitous to the human experience that we find it in our political activities and our music. Yep. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I mean, I find myself appreciating what I have more whenever I go without it or whenever I've had it a lot worse. You know, just the same standard of living can seem entirely different relative to a previous standard of living you know and i think that falls on a bare curve too like i can't imagine eating a perfectly cooked medium rare filet mignon every day yeah even though it's delicious but after two weeks that'd drive me mad but you know what frank zappa had for dinner nearly every day his adult (laughs) life chili yeah (laughs) same thing albert einstein wore the same suit but it's also because the tension and release came from somewhere else. That right. idea you were talking about, Eli, that Jordan Pe- I've heard Jordan Peterson mention is that people need, I think he used the term conflict a lot. Yeah. But I think tension is just as serviceable because conflict creates tension. Right. I think people need a cycle of tension and release. But I yeah. think the AI would account for that too. Yeah, yeah. It just well, depends okay. on how well it's programmed, right? Right. Uh, at that point, it's programming it's itself. Cross your fingers. You know, I I just started watching this the first time I've ever watched it. Rick and Morty. <laughs> and the second episode, he creates like a, a, a this helmet that goes on the dog. The like the dad's like, can you make this dog any smarter? And he puts a helmet on the dog, and the dog like eventually builds a robot suit and like all the dogs take over and they, he wakes, he wakes him up in the middle of the night and he's like, where are my testicles? (laughs) Morty, where are my testicles? You know, like what happens? Will, you know, will we turn into house pets or will we be like that? Like, will we get, get this to this place where, because we already kind of feel that way about technology, but that's because the technology is being designed not to make us feel better, but to sell us shit. Yeah. 
you know, and to and to it it wants to know us better than we know ourselves for the sake of, uh, you know, all of the tech giants gaining a profit. Yeah. It has very little to do with like if we did try to push technology in the direction where technology will like it'll just prevent or uh, it'll uh, be an embitterment for all mankind, you know, but but we don't we 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 don't allow for that for ha- to happen because every time somebody starts to do that kind of stuff, I mean, uh, you know, power, it becomes a power thing. And it's I, and like, I think it's 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 complicated. Like I think that these things are very natural. Like I don't think that there's a malevolent consciousness that's carefully plotting to make this happen. Like I think it's part of the process. Mm-hmm. Like people don't wake up and be like, I want power just out of the blue, like it's some dry thing, and they opened a fortune cookie and it's like, You should get power today. And like, okay, mm-hmm. I'll do that and then they turn into, you know, uh Mao Zedong or whatever. Um I mean Brain the Gosh, lab rat did. Now that but. I say that, that sounds terribly racist, and I withdraw all of that. <laughs> <laughs> like, I said, Jesus. <laughs> so, with that, do you guys have any final thoughts? Yeah, Shoot, I, I didn't mean to use that example, and I'm happy to do any restorative justice that anybody thinks is appropriate. <laughs> if they reach out to me, let me know. I will be happy to participate. Um,. My other final, like, to bring it back to the thin blue line idea. The thin blue line is a symbol for a tribe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's true. And the us versus them mentality of tribalism it is driven by symbols. And I think that that's a Jordan Peterson uh-huh. thing, too. Yeah, it is. Um. And I think it's very important to understand how symbols work and why symbols work. Yeah. And to what end they should be used for. Hmm. I'm all about all that. Jonathan Haidt stuff. I like that. (laughs) We're talking, we're talking about magic now. Um, Gross. (laughs) but i mean that's that's really if i were to if i were to try to rationalize what is really going on when people talk about magic it's that it's the power of lore and propaganda and sim and symbolism and and things like that that it it has nothing to do with necessarily any kind of supernatural force it has everything to do with how it affects the minds of the 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 person with the intention and then the the group of people around them that either get hoodwinked or or inspired illusion is more than sleight of hand yeah it's it's more about the setup right it's more about uh the distraction than um what's actually going on Uh, and and so yeah I, i that weird struggle should should tribes should we allow like in our society should we allow certain tribes uh to to view themselves in that kind of way like that should should any uh small group of people 
uh, or especially ones that are highly have a lot of authority in day to day lives of, you know, the mass public um, and, and are given the the resources and the weaponry and all of that. Should we like should that be an idea that they should even be able to have? Like, because cops are not soldiers. Cops are not, uh, uh, you know, the only force protecting us. They're civilians, too. Like, they are part of our communities. They are they are supposed to be citizens of our country. And, uh, like, if uh, we cannot uh, hold, like, we have to hold them to the same standard we'd hold anyone to. It, or or way 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 higher you know that's that's what's bugging me is like uh we will make ten like uh the cop there was a cop where i live uh recently who got uh charged for a dui and they you know they they the cops like took him in and they they actually charged him like and you go through the comments on it on some news, like the local news thing here. I'm going through the comments and like a million and 10 excuses made. And I'm like, everybody's got fucking problems. And the, like, what's the difference between him going and drinking and driving and me? And you would, you know, you I know will be we talk about next time. You just made me think that? of that. Is the the disparate nature of crime. Like, you know what the biggest type of theft in America is? What's that? Wage theft. Companies yeah. <laughs> underpaying or failing to pay wages. Well, and you know, that's something, too, we didn't touch on at all. Uh, you know, like, the first detective agencies in America were union busters. Right. You that's know, exactly pink, the Pinkertons and, and shit. Next, um, time on yeah, next time on <laughs> analyzed and <laughs> so yeah, that, and that's definitely something to unpack is like like wage theft is easily the biggest theft crime in america you know how many people go to jail for wage theft nobody uh, <laughs> right that's interesting that's yeah. really like if a business gets if a business gets well put a pin in it I think yeah, uh, like, can't yeah. talk about it on this episode. Otherwise, no. people will not I have just a reason to tune it, back in. Teasing yeah. it with my tongue. <laughs> oh, wage theft. All right. Wage I don't theft. really have many, many uh, uh, final thoughts myself. Uh, I do actually have a book that I am working on. I need to go and uh, make some progress on that before it gets copyrighted. It's called The Thin Chrome Line. It's going to be really good. <laughs> Sci-fi. Trademark. So, yeah, I'm gonna go get god, to that. That's a really good fast. idea. That's really good, <laughs> Eli. You just you're sitting on a gold mine, a chrome yep. mine, a chrome the mine, chrome mine. All right. Uh, well, if anyone would like to become a guest and talk with us, feel free to fill out the guest form on analyzepodcast.com. You can follow our Facebook page to comment on some of this stuff. But otherwise, thanks for listening. Join us again next time. See you guys. Thanks, by the way, Eli, for joining back with us. Hey, hope, it was hope, good to be back. Hopefully to be back a lot more. Yeah, hope, hope yeah. we get to talk to you more. For sure. See ya. Peace.